This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now next week we'll mark the first anniversary of Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine. It was expected to last three weeks with a swift Russian victory taking Kiev, the capital of Ukraine, and perhaps taking President Zelensky as well. That didn't happen. Ukraine has fought hard and now we're one year in. And there is no sign of an ending to discuss where this war is at and the dangers it presents for everybody. We're joined now by Senator Tom Clonan. Tom was a soldier. He served as an officer commanding Irish troops with the UN Interim Force in Lebanon. And during Tom's deployment uh, in Lebanon, uh, he witnessed the Israeli operation Grapes of Wrath against Hezbollah, which culminated in the massacre of refugees in the village of Kaina in April 1996. So he knows, as indeed do the families of Private Sean Rooney and Trooper Shane Carney. Private Rooney is dead as a result uh, of an attack within the last month, and Trooper Shane Carney was badly injured in the same attack. And their sympathies go to both families as we're talking about this Tom, it only reminds us your own experience uh, watching the massacre of refugees and the two young men who were uh, on secondment to uh, the UN, Sean Rooney and Shane Kearney, how, how dreadful war is, uh, the suffering it causes. And as we now know, for hundreds of thousands of people in this conflict between Russia and Ukraine, there are many, many terrible tales. Indeed, and it shows the, the capricious nature of conflict. And just being in the wrong place at the wrong time um, can mean the difference between life and death. And at the moment, it would appear, Eamon, since we last spoke, that uh, the Russians have now began begun to materialize on the battlefield in eastern Ukraine. And this spring, winter, spring counteroffensive is underway. It's been underway about a week now. And uh, this is something that I, I didn't think would happen 
And I said it to you in, in our previous conversations that I didn't think that the Russians could assemble a credible military force um, to, to, to launch such an offensive. But they have brought together a force of sorts. And, and hopefully we can, we can talk about that um, today. Uh, there are, there's an, a set of extraordinary developments underway in eastern Ukraine. Yeah, they appear to be, to put it crudely, to be throwing bodies as part of their plan, condemning really their own inexperienced soldiers to death. Is that accurate? Yeah, so in, in terms of the order of battle, um, what, what forces the Russians have available to them. So this time last year, they started out with 160,000 odd um, in, invasion force. That has been severely depleted over the last year. So before Christmas, Vladimir Putin mobilized uh, 300,000 Russian uh, reservists, and they appear now to be uh, in large numbers in the area of operations. And so, for example, in in the uh, Bakhmut region, which is very hotly contested over the last week, you have what are called Russian reserves. These are some of these recently mobilized reservists are being put in there in very large numbers. And they're being thrown against the uh, Ukrainian defences. In, according to eyewitnesses and accounts, in, in almost like human wave assaults. Yes. And I've heard some of the Ukrainian commanders say, and not not without sympathy for the Russians, saying that they they keep coming and keep coming until we run out of ammunition. Yes. And last week uh, on Monday the. 6th of February, the Ukrainians reported that they had killed 1,034 Russians in one day. Yes. Uh, the average death toll for last week, again, you'd have to take these numbers with a, with a certain degree of healthy skepticism, but according to the Ukrainians, they killed an average of 850 Russian troops per day. Yes. So this is consistent with the Russians now moving forward into Ukrainian positions. And they have a number of key uh, axes of, of advance, and I'll talk to you about those in some detail. They're very interesting. But they behind those Russian reservists who are being forced to, to take the Ukrainian positions with huge losses, uh, you have... Uh, elite Russian units like the 106th Airborne Division. And you also have these militia armies, uh, the Wagner troops, yes, uh, the Redut militia, the Patriot militia, who are forcing Russian reservists at gunpoint, essentially, yes. onto Ukrainian positions. And as I said, um, I've heard Ukrainian commanders say that they, the Russians just kept coming. And they ran out of ammunition, and then when they ran out of ammunition, they had to withdraw. Yes. So they have been taking a certain amount of territory. They, they've regained the initiative, but at a very, very high cost. And when we talk about the overarching picture, losing a thousand people a day or even 500 people a day is not sustainable. And they're aiming, they're like the casualties you would have heard of in World War Two, yes. some of the biggest battles of World War Two. I have never heard in, in all the years that I've been doing military or security analysis in, in all my time in the army, right back to the 80s, even in Vietnam, I, I didn't hear casualties like this. This is an extraordinary bloodletting that's taking place at the moment. And so far, uh, one week into it, uh, 
The, the Ukrainians are saying, yes, they're, they're incrementally taking territory, but the, the Russians haven't achieved a, a breakthrough as yet. But the Ukrainians will fall back to places like Kramatorsk and Slavyansk, and they are very heavily fortified, very heavily defended. And coinciding with that, you're likely to see the arrival of new weapons. For example, the 100 older Leopard 1 tanks that have been assembled and are being reconditioned for supply between the, the, the Germans, the Danes and the, and the, the Czechs. So they, they will arrive shortly. So this is, um, this is the, the, the offensive that we had been waiting for. And, um, it, it, it is ugly. It's blunt. It doesn't have any sort of strategic or tactical finesse. It's, it's, it's a blunt force bloodletting to try and, I think the the war aims based on the activity in the last week appear to be to fully regain control of the oblasts of Luhansk and Donetsk. Yes, and there is also speculation now about weaponry that the West is running short of. Uh, and of course, the Leopard 2 tanks, you refer to the Leopard 1, which are, they're more modern, they're more nimble, apparently, and they're on their way. And Germany eventually agreed to send them, Poland is sending them, Sweden are sending them, the Brits are sending tanks as well, as is the United States, but they have a tank called the Abraham, which is a big lumbering thing, and it will take a long time to reach the battlefield. But when you're talking about running out of ammunition at this stage, that really poses a deadly threat to Ukraine uh, at this stage, or does it? Yeah, it's, a, it's an appalling calculus, but I think this offensive, it's now clear, is underway. It's, it's a week old. And the Ukrainians have been taken by surprise, not by the, the tactical sort of approach, but just by sim simply the sheer weight of numbers. Yes. Uh, I've heard again some commentators refer to the Russians they've encountered there as a zombie army. Yes. That many of these young reservists appear to have been uh, given drugs. Um, they, they appear to be intoxicated in some way, uh, disinhibited. Uh, some of them that have been taken prisoner are described as, you know, hypervigilant, uh, slightly paranoid. So n nobody would have expected this, that you would use your people as, as, as a, as a way of, of gaining very, very small incremental bits of ground. Because normally in, in modern conflict, the idea is to, you know, put in force protection measures and, like even in, in more recent conflicts, I know there's been tragic loss of life in places like Iraq and Afghanistan, but, you know, you're talking about, you know, maybe five, eight thousand people, NATO troops killed in, in all of that time in Afghanistan over 20 years. Yes. But we're talking about up to a thousand a day here. If you do the maths on that. Yes. If it's true, if it's true, you know, you're talking about a, a quarter of a million people. Yes. Uh, troops killed in action. That we haven't seen that type of human wave, uh, just burning up your 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 people. So, in answer to the question, you can always get ammunition. There's plenty of ammunition, but I, what I think may happen is that the the Russians may simply run out of people. Now they have a they have a huge population, but I I think it's on those kinds of losses are unsustainable. And in addition to that, the Ukrainians will be responding to this 
um, as we speak, they will be planning a counter-offensive. And they have a very significant advantage over the Russians in that they have the use of what is referred to as national technical means of the United States and NATO. So they can observe, you know, using satellite technology and other um, surveillance techniques, they can now begin to observe the form-up points, the yes. concentration points of where Russian troops are are being concentrated, and they will be ready with with that ammunition. And I heard last week uh, on on Sky, I heard one of the very senior British uh, retired senior army officers saying that this was an opportunity now for the Ukrainians to kill thousands and thousands of Russians. And it made me think, you know, we need to, I feel personally that at this point in the war, we really need to start thinking about what happens next. It shouldn't be all about killing and supplying weapons in ad infinitum. We need to find a way out of this and, and bring this conflict to an end because to me, this is unsustainable for Russia. And the next step might be to, on Putin's part, to resort to a non-conventional approach and yes, to which save is, face. We're talking a nuclear weapon here, a tactical nuclear weapon, uh, perhaps, but the, it, it's true to say, or or is it true to say, Tom, that Putin can't afford to lose this conflict and stay in power? No, and and the the deployment of forces over the last week, because we can tell, even even though information is <laughs> is difficult to assess, um, neither side are going to reveal precisely what their deployments on the ground are. But we know from the towns that are being attacked, you know, if you, the good old fashioned, take out the map and look at it. So there's a number of axes of advance. They're they're moving towards. Bakhmut, and they, they took the town of Solidar. So this is in eastern Donbass. So they're trying to push out back to the uh, the kind of the, the political boundaries of of the uh, Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts. So they're they're moving on places like Solidar, on Vulidar, um, in Kers in around Kherson, which is interesting. The Russians have reinforced all along the Dnieper River. And they're trying to control, they, they've set up a very, very strong defensive line there. And they've poured troops into the Dnieper Delta. So what they're trying to do there in the Oblast of Kherson is prevent um, a Ukrainian counterattack, which would cut off their land corridor. Yes. And they're also moving in Zaporizhia. They've moved on Orkhiv uh, and they've shifted north. They've put in uh, four brigades, four Russian brigades have been put into the Zaporizhia Oblast um, to take ground, and they've actually failed, and they've lost quite a lot of uh, people and equipment in the in the last week. So you can really see that th this uh, winter spring offensive is, is, is actually underway. But like their invasion of a year ago, after eight, nine days now, um, it, it's not really materialising as a very dynamic, kinetic... Um, breakout in any part of those four oblasts from Luhansk, Donetsk, Zaporizhia down to Kherson. They, they haven't, they're not really, they haven't broken out anywhere. And the Ukrainians are responding. They're holding the line, okay, albeit with incremental losses. But I think you're going to see um, Ukraine really now um, launch a counteroffensive in, in, the, in the coming weeks. And it'll be interesting to see where they choose. My, my best guess was, will be that they will go into, into Zaporizhia 
and try to get to Berdyansk and cut off that land corridor. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Zelensky has stated as a war aim, taking back Crimea, which has been in Russian hands since 2014. A large part of Donbass has also been in Russian hands since 2014 when uh, Barack Obama was the US president and didn't do anything much to stop Russia taking that territory. I want to ask you, Tom, about prospect of Zelensky being too ambitious, more than Washington and London and Brussels want him to be, looking to take things that are outside of his reach and and getting out of control. He is a brilliant leader, a brilliant politician. Is there a, a point at which people say all wars end in and negotiations, and we're beginning to hear that, aren't we, in Britain and the US and the Congress and the United States. But this conflict doesn't appear to have anything to negotiate about because of the absoluteness of Putin in the first instance and Zelensky and his stated aims. Well, I, I think there is actually a way out for all sides here. In, in yes. that Putin's initial game plan was that Ukraine would become basically a vassal state to yes. Russia. 
and that it would never become a member of NATO and it would become a kind of a buffer state against a perceived threat across the North European plain uh, to, to, to Russian territory. And, you know, because whether you agree with them or not, or whether you buy into the narrative or not, NATO does have a very, very strong presence throughout the region now. Um, and so Putin's kind of uh, rationale was to expand back out to Russia's great imperial borders. Uh, that hasn't happened. But at the same time, if so for Zelensky, he has prevented, his great victory is that Ukraine still exists yes. after the Russian invasion. And after one year of fighting, Ukraine, you, you might argue, is even strong, is stronger than ever. Yes. And Ukraine, if it has accelerated membership of the European Union, can can remain, a, you know, the, that that's something that is uh, within Zelensky's grasp to to become full members of the European Union without becoming members of NATO. Yes. So there is there is an off ramp for both sides. It's just a matter of once once. The war starts once you you're, you're mobilizing hundreds of thousands of people and you're having the kind of casualty rates we're seeing at the moment. You heard, uh, I think it was today, Yevgeny Prigozhin. He's this is the guy who founded the Wagner Group in yes. 2014, um, saying that after Ukraine they'll attack Poland. I mean, there isn't a hope of them getting near Poland or Lithuania or Latvia or any of the Baltic states or Norway or Sweden. Like they they've played their card and and they have. In in every um, theatre of the war in Ukraine, um, the the Russians have been contained. So it's what happens next. It, people like Prigozhin, Gennady Timchenko, Sergei Shoigu, even the Chechen guy Ramzan Kadyrov, they, they're becoming more and more vocal and seem to have more and more autonomy in and around um, the, that that Kremlin area. You you just wonder as the, I suppose, the capacity for Putin to hold on and, and keep, keep control of what's happening because he, he's always like the Nazis had the veneer of legality, uh, in relation to his special military operation yes. in, in the Donbass. Like he, he didn't declare war, but they have allowed these militia groups to start giving pardons to people who emptying out the prisons offering them um, freedom and a pardon for yes. six months service in these militias in the front line. Now, there have been questions asked in the Duma and questions have been asked of the, the Russian judiciary about the legality of this. And, and they have been, um, they've been silenced on this. So, th so the rule of law, the, if you like that, that principle of the rule of law in Russia, even in the context of uh, Putin's regime is beginning to become decoupled. So it, it, I think this is destabilizing for, for Russia internally. So that's another pressure that's on here in terms of how sustainable or to what extent you can, you can continue to wage this war. So I think Putin and the people around him will be beginning to look for a way out. Some sort of yes. face-saving um, solution. Next week, next Thursday, marks the first anniversary, the 24th of February. President Biden is considering traveling to Poland next week for a speech and a meeting on the first anniversary. A country like Moldova, for example, that is outside of, of the Russian, uh, they are worried. The prime minister has resigned. 
they have been threatened, as you pointed out. Um, and there, there are some militant Russians who say, once we've taken Ukraine, we're coming for Poland, we're coming for Moldova, and all of that. Uh, is that just hot air? Or are the Russians just, in that case, bluffing? I think that rhetoric is about a year old. Because yeah. when the invasion started and when the build up to the invasion in January of last year, you know, that countries like Sweden, Norway, the Baltic states were very, very nervous about the arrival of, you know, the equivalent of the Red Army that would yes. sweep across Ukraine. And if the Russians had managed to break out and if the Russian military had reached Odessa, for example, and linked up with Odessa and in, then into Moldova and Transnistria, where they already have Russian troops, you might have thought that rhetoric might have, you know, they're, they're, it, it could have caused grave concern in in those Baltic states, Poland included. But as I was saying to you earlier, Russia has been contained. The, the Russian military has now been revealed as you know, not capable of combined arms operations, really dynamic, kinetic, um, you know, like the, the, the thunder run, as it's called, that they tried to attempt in the taking of Kiev, like it was a complete failure. Yes. Their special forces were comprehensively beaten in their attempt to try and take the airport on the outskirts of Kiev at the beginning of the uh, invasion. And their big armoured column, their kind of blitzkrieg strike down south from Belarus failed uh, and it became a kind of a, an international spectacle of that 62-kilometre convoy of tanks just sitting there being ambushed at will by, by highly mobile Ukrainian troops. So we, we I think Putin has done Im immeasurable damage to the prestige of the Russian military and the, and the you know, the the, the prestige of, of Russia in, in terms of its capacity to operate and project force outside of its borders. And the irony of it is that, that Putin made the same mistake that the West made in its invasion of Iraq and in its invasion of Afghanistan. Yes. You, know, you cannot take over a country of 40 million people and, and occupy it. You just can't. It can't, it can't be done. We, we, we've tried it. It has been tried twice in the 21st century. So the irony of it is that he has tried to, he tried to replicate this in Ukraine and it just predictably hasn't worked. And the question is, can, is there an off ramp? Yes. That, well, that question has been asked all year. Is there an off ramp for Putin? But I actually think Putin's on the hard shoulder at the moment. He's, he has no road. Right. Um, he's run out of military ideas and options. I mean, if you're, if your big idea for 2023, is to kill hundreds and hundreds of thousands of your own young men in order to gain maybe 10, 15 kilometers of territory. Like yes. that's not, that's not, that, that's just not a credible, sustainable, um, or ethical way forward for anybody, for anybody. It's unsustainable. Let me ask you a final question, Tom, about an assessment of what this war really is now. Given the support that China has offered, Iran has offered to Putin, the Saudis, the South Africans, the Indians, the refusal of a large swathe of the autocracies in the world to disown Putin and, and in fact, to back him. It, is there a danger or is, is it, has it in fact happened that this now is a conflict between the West 
i.e. the EU, the UK, the United States of America, and the authoritarian world, uh, people and nations who have shown themselves to be happy to back Putin in this, as you have so vividly explained this morning, in slaughtering his own people, in his cruelty and the twisted nature of his behavior. And is this a, a real danger? You mentioned uh, the possibility of Russia resorting to nuclear, ta even tactical nuclear weapons. If Russia was to use a nuclear weapon, what response would be demanded from NATO? Well, there would, there would be a, an instant massive conventional response. This is what's threatened. This is what right. we have been told. I mean, NATO has been explicit about this, that if Russia were to use even one of these so-called mini-nukes in uh, in Ukraine, and I could see them doing it, to tr you know, because the, the purpose of such a weapon is to deny ground. And just again for the listeners, Hiroshima was about 100 kilotons. The large strategic nuclear missiles are thousands of kilotons. He's not talking about using one of those. He's been talking about using a so-called mini-nuke. And the, the Russians have developed about 2,000 of these warheads. They're about 10 kilotons. So it would be a fraction of the size of Hiroshima. It would destroy a town of around about the size of Athlone and would create a kind of a dead zone around it of yes. maybe five, six, seven miles in diameter. Uh, so that would could be used against a position like Kramatorsk or Slavyansk, uh, and, and it would have the effect then of denying Ukraine any uh, maneuver in that area right up to the Russian border. What would the West have to do in response to that, Tom? Well, I think initially there would be an, an absolutely apocalyptic humanitarian Yes. Uh, impact in, yes. in, in, immediately. And we saw that at Chernobyl, even with a leak. Yeah, mass movement of people, uh, people trying to respond to that. And NATO would have a decision then to, to, to make in terms of whether or not they would begin massive uh, conventional retaliation against targets all across the Russian Federation. Um, Aren't we at that stage in a world war? Yeah, but I think things have got to the stage, though, where um, I hate to use the term for fear of of finding myself in the same category as other people <laughs> who've been very vocal about this. But but this is, to all intents and purposes now, a proxy war between NATO. Yes. Uh, the North Atlantic Treaty, you know, the, the, the transatlantic relationship between the United States, Britain and Europe is pouring weapons, equipment, uh, ammunition, and as I said earlier, the technological means to assist the Ukrainians to fight. And uh, intelligence, Putin, of course. Putin, yeah, and, and so it is to all intents and purposes now a proxy war. And you're right. Part of Putin's calculation in invading Ukraine was that with NATO's withdrawal, basically NATO were chased out of Afghanistan. With China's ever-increasing um, superpower presence, they felt that this is now a multipolar yes. world, that the United States is fundamentally weakened after the Trump presidency. Now is the time to do it. Now is the time to confront the old hegemonic uh, Western order. Uh, you know, the European Union, they felt, was in disarray because of Brexit. NATO was in disarray because Pew uh, Trump had 
openly yes. um, interrogated whether or not Russia, you know, the United States would come to the aid of another NATO member. So they 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 rolled the dice. They they took a chance, and it, it you know NATO is galvanized. They're getting new members as we speak. Uh, the European Finland Union and Sweden. has remained coherent. Yes. Yeah. So we, we, you know this is to all intents and purposes uh, an, a, a proxy war, um, and hopefully. It, it can it could be contained and brought to an end uh, without that risk of of escalation. And you know, you will remember the manner in which um, Vietnam was was a proxy war for something else. Yes. You know, this this isn't new. I suppose what yes. what's what's surprising about it is that it's happening in our lifetime in Europe. I never I never thought we'd see some a conflict like this, and I never thought we'd see the type of casualty numbers that are being reported now. I mean, that is, these are extraordinary times. Okay, Tom, we're very grateful to you for joining us on the stand. That's Senator Tom Clonan. We're grateful to Tom, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.